0: There was an idea to bring together a remarkable group of Marvel Crisis Protocol players to see if they could give something more to the community. The Christmas Present Initiative. Last Christmas, we gave you the 18 days of Christmas, one for each affiliation. This year, we're doing it bigger and better. Not just every affiliation, but every leader will get their own episode. 33 leaders. One massive present to the MCP community. Hello and welcome to a surprise final episode. We originally said we were going to do all 33 leaderships and we have. So what's this 34th episode, I hear you ask? Well, there's one more thing that I think is worth exploring and I could think of no better person to explore that with me than Lexa White from the Morlocks podcast. How are you doing, Lexa? Uh,
1: Surviving. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well that's all we can hope for sometimes. Yes. Right. Tell us what is this thing we're gonna try and dive into today. Uh
1: so we're talking about leaderless.
0: Mm, so no leadership at all, or at least not using a leadership, right? You might have yeah. a character that's got a leadership, but we're not building an affiliation around it.
1: Yes, exactly. Um and there is like two distinctive styles of leaderless building. Uh there is the boring style of take the best in slot for every threat value and just play best in slot
0: yeah maybe you double up on some threes or fours or twos or whatever in order to make threat values work well but yeah yeah for sure i think we can agree that's probably pretty efficient but i agree it's boring
1: yes uh the other side of it is pure synergy um some people have talked about synergy where Synergy is not necessarily the best thing to play because it generally is bringing up uh, bad models to playable with Synergy. But there is also, as we know very well from Magic the Gathering, there's a tipping point where Synergy goes from bringing up bad models to decent to bringing up bad models to they win the game on their own.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I think a good way of thinking about this is when you start building an affiliated list, you clearly you start with your leader. That's, or sometimes you might start with two leaders, but sure, you start thinking about your affiliation. That's kind of where you start. And then you go, who is the best character in this affiliation for me to bring along? And you go, I'm really excited. This character is brilliant in this affiliation. And then you go, okay, now I have to take a step down. Who are the next best characters? And your idea is let's avoid taking that step down and just pick characters that work really well together. They may not from from all over the, the pool of 100 and whatever it is characters we've got now.
1: Well, so it's more of, instead of starting with a leader, because like you start with a leader, you're starting with a idea, really. So it's like, if you're going into Criminal Syndicate, you are going with the uh, uh, Kingpin Criminal Syndicate, you're going in with the idea to play scenario, right? Yep. Sometimes there are more specific ideas that you want to play into that either don't have a leadership or the supporting pool for that leadership is not enough to make the leadership worth it to play into. Uh, For the longest time, Condition Game was this. Until we got the Hydra leadership, there wasn't really a good Condition Game leadership to go into. Mm
0: -hmm. So you would
1: play an unaffiliated condition list.
0: Yeah, or you might go, Blade's pretty good with Bleed. I'll take a Midnight Suns list and try and squash in as much Bleed as I can. That's kind of yeah. was a, a, close to that idea, but you still try to leverage that leadership a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, and there has been a synergy idea I have been hopping on for a while, and it keeps getting models. And while I don't think it's 100% the like best thing in the room or even maybe an A tier. I think it's sitting solidly at a B tier right now and a couple more pushes and it could become real scary. And that's Death and Taxes.
0: Right, we, we've talked about this before, I think, but just in case people yes. aren't familiar with Death and Taxes, why don't you dive into the, the, the basic idea of what the list is trying to do?
1: So Death and Taxes is a power control strategy uh, by both increasing the cost of your opponent's abilities and sapping power, you basically deny them from doing anything but their builder.
0: Yep, so you're turning off their superpower. It's a little bit like if you had a whole bunch of um, uh, No More Mutants or Shushes on hand where you can just go, no, you just don't get to use that superpower. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give some examples then of the kind of uh, mechanics that some of the different characters have that we're thinking about here?
1: Yes. Uh, so our core... Three really characters are Loki, god of mischief, uh, with his god of mischief superpower, which just increases the cost of all active and reactive superpowers by one for all characters within four.
0: One of my favorite models. Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: Then we have the sla- uh, probably the most slept-on character of this core, uh, Deadpool, uh, okay. with his. Muck with a mouth where you're paying three power to make your opponent lose two power
0: yep so let's dive into that for a second so a lot of people feel that's a bad value proposition i'm paying three power to make you lose two i'm actually doing worse than you are what's been your experience of it though
1: uh i find it is an okay value proposition um because, one, because Deadpool doesn't have things to spend his power on natively, really. Like, he has a spender, which is okay, but he doesn't have a lot of active to do. Um, and so, instead of him being the active, this is can be very similar to a shush in many ways. Mm. Um, if you look at a shush, it is it is a bad value proposition because you're paying three and you're stopping a superpower that costs two or one uh, most of the mm-hmm. time. Yep. But it's really critical in certain moments. And Mook with them out is the same way, where it's a bad value proposition when you're looking power to power, but when you're looking at what it denies your opponent being able to do, it gets so much better.
0: mm. Also, I mean, another point to consider is Deadpool is a three-threat character who's got a specific yeah. set of things he can do. You can take that power off any threat character. So taking that power off Thanos is going to be a big deal. You know, Taking that power yes, off exactly. Hulk is going to be a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when he gets flush with power, which can occasionally happen, especially right as he flips, he can take power from multiple people.
0: Because mm, it's not once per turn, it's once per character, right?
1: Yes. Um, mm. Weird uh, notation on this one, though. Uh, it is, a character may be affected by the superpower once per round. Okay. So even if you give him a second activation, he can't then work with the mouse again.
0: Yep. Okay. Good note. I like it. Um and you said there was a third character then in our in our Holy Trinity.
1: Uh Rogue. hmm Uh Mutant Absorption. Uh when you're already draining your opponent's power heavily, uh, getting to then deal damage off of it is good. And when you just need to power drain to keep them under thresholds, it's good.
0: Yeah. And maybe you get some damage off that as well, which then helps if you're going to, if you need to pursue a nutrition game plan exactly okay um, so that's kind of like your unaffiliated core affiliated characters then
1: yes okay. um, there is a fourth character that's in that conversation but it's recently split into two characters so let's let's talk about our three threat root givers
0: mm-hmm
1: um, so we have our classic boy groot um, who does it very uh, who who innately gains the power to do it by just standing around and taking builders, which is the thing you are trying to... You're trying to get your opponent just to do their builders. It's really, like, a perfect game for death and taxes. The only thing your opponent gets to do is their builder. Um, And Groot likes getting hit with builders because he's probably going to live through most characters' builders, uh, and then he can convert that into both Negating some of the action economy, uh, some of the action spent, and uh, making the power gap bigger.
0: Yep. Because just remind us what Root does for people who don't play with it much.
1: Uh, Root is. Uh, a functional reprint of Loki's ability in a way, where it's the character that has the special conditions, active and reactive superpowers cost one more.
0: And I'm right in thinking you pay that before you activate it, right? A bit like Loki.
1: I I want to double check the specifics of the wording Mm -hmm. uh, because that is one I never remember off the top of my head. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes, must spend one power before using active or reactive superpowers, so it does spend at the Loki timing so even if your opponent is a Thanos they don't they still have to spend to use their gems yes
0: which is a fun thing because normally Thanos gets that for free yes uh okay so uh you said there was another option for Root
1: yes and this is the newer this is the uh recently released option of Pyro because he has his Firewall uh, ability, which gives the enemy character root and slow, which Ooh. is a lot.
0: So, if you've got both of these in your roster, do you see a situation where you bring both? Or have you got both because you want options to try both to decide which one you like better, and ultimately only one will survive in this roster?
1: Uh... I have both, because sometimes you want the tank, and sometimes you want the firepower.
0: Gotcha. So it depends what you want that brute attached to.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: But you don't see a situation where you would play both?
1: No, not really. Because um, generally you want to go higher up the scale, because you get more powerful denial at the higher up the scale you go, really.
0: Mm. So just... As a point of, um, just, I'm thinking through your roster now. Does it does this feel like it works better against a narrow roster or a wide roster, or does it work, you know, for your opponent, or does it work equally well against both?
1: Uh it it has a little bit of issue against narrow rosters because higher threat characters generally have more ability to generate power on their own turn to self feed.
0: That makes sense.
1: Um, yeah. So yeah. Against wider rosters you have the you have enough points of interaction at this point where you can interrupt the important stuff almost all the time. You need it is very much in the way of a control deck where you need to know what points of interruption you need to do, which is a very skill testing thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone's played a shush or um, no more mutants, knowing when to play it can win or lose you the game sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of shush, uh, mm-hmm. we are playing space maw in this list.
0: Aha, so that's using one of your restricted slots. Yes. Um, so is he there just for the shush or does he bring more to the list?
1: Uh, he is there for the shush um, and he's also. Um, When you are already expensing for things like throws and stuff, having a way to prevent collisions, even if, uh, taking takes options out of your opponent's hand, Hmm.
0: that's true. And I guess he's also way more survivable when they don't have the power to pay to get around his defenses. Yes, so that ups his value. Um mm-hmm. in, yeah in a similar way that you know you could have I could see enchantress would fit in in a similar way with very good defenses yes. at a at a more budget price
1: mm-hmm exactly um enchantress it was in earlier versions of this list she is a very good option uh this specific iteration of the list uh was uh designed pre uh Malns yep so there were there are a couple tech pieces in here that were intended for Malichus, which could be swapped out for other pieces at this point
0: okay so if if that's your core, then what else have we got what are the characters we got to fill it out
1: uh so we have um an exceptionally powerful uh needs to be adjusted piece of interaction uh dr voodoo yep uh saying no to giving saying that a character cannot interact with Scenario is exceptionally powerful interaction.
0: Mm, Especially if you're on maybe a pay-to-flip and the power's already taxed here. No, I can see that.
1: Uh, Then we have uh, Crimson Dynamo. Yep. Uh, We are trying to make your opponent only be able to use their Builders. Crimson Dynamo makes their builders worse and means they get less power generation off them.
0: Yes, okay. I can see that. So you're limiting... Yeah, that checks out. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Toad is just the best two-threat. He doesn't really synergize with the list, but we needed a two-threat for points, and he is the best in slot.
0: He also stops you from losing on scenario... Uh, by giving strong extract clay so that the rest of your plan can start getting into motion, right?
1: Yep. Um, and then the big piece of kitty tech um, in here was Ronin the Accuser. Okay. Um, Ronin is, I think, the best DNT tool for big pieces. One of the ways your opponent will gain power is if you damage them. Uh, and sometimes you need to pile onto a Malekith or a Hulk or something if they have an objective or something like that. Um, and judgment as a condition negates that the power generation your opponent has.
0: Yep. So do you see him staying in the roster?
1: Uh, he is in consideration, um... It is it is real conversation of if I move him out to get uh, a second five threat in here with Scarlet Witch.
0: Mm, which maybe brings another another shush card.
1: Yes. Mm. Um, but the big thing Ronan was doing here was having a size four throw, a size four push, a uh, stagger stun on a stick, and then that accuser ability, which... So many times with Accuser, I ended up walking away to the edge of range for universal weaponing, pushing the, op- the big opponent model away, and then dropping the extract.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Um, so he was very specifically good into the size for threats that, while still are in the game, the major one is down for the count at least uh, from appearance's sake at time of recording.
0: I think he's still got, we're still going to see a little bit of him, but he's certainly not going to be everywhere in the way that he was previously.
1: He is not meta warping in a way that playing specifically around him is beneficial.
0: Or indeed necessary at roster construction. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Okay. So if Ronan were to come out, we we mentioned Enchantress. Are there any others who fit this kind of uh, archetype that you might consider putting in there instead?
1: Scarlet Witch.
0: Ah, yes. Um, And would you bring her card that also hands out... Because that hands out Root too, right? Winds of Chaos hands out Root?
1: Yeah, Winds of Chaos hands out Root and heals your team, which is very powerful.
0: So now we've got an idea of the kind of characters you're taking, the superpowers they're bringing. How do you go about leveraging your plan into winning the game?
1: So uh, first off, let's talk about crises.
0: Sure.
1: Um, Because I think... Uh, so I have two ways to interact with single extracts. So I'm bringing a full single extract suite on extract.
0: Two ways. You've got, um, you've got Dr. Voodoo, right? What's your other mm-hmm. way?
1: My other way is in the tactics cards.
0: Ah, there we go.
1: So it's Alien Ship, Mutant Extremists, and scrolls.
0: Well, you've got all three. Um, okay. Yep.
1: Yes. And we don't mind playing at 14, I think it actually makes us more potent because there is less threat on the board that has the ability to self-propagate powerfully.
0: So you've got your core that adds up to 12 and then you throw in Toad to make 14, right? Yeah. Um, Low-key Deadpool rogue Toad.
1: And in that case... I would actually consider swapping out Dead for Pyro, as he's one with the single-extract interaction. Yep. Um, so you have a fair bit of extract control there on and high-scoring extract, a uh, medium-scoring extract, but an important extract. Um, mm-hmm. And then the ability to... Really annoy a low amount of opposition threat.
0: Yep. Okay. So you're hoping to leverage your your extract manipulation to get a scenario advantage on those single extracts. Mm-hmm. You know, does that mean that you're taking extracts with priority most of the time then?
1: Most of the time, um, because I also have a real annoying set of secure, so I get my extracts a lot. <laughs>
0: Talk us through that, then, yeah.
1: Because I'm running double split C with spider portals. So Mayor Fisk, Terrigen Clouds, uh, portals over city with spider people.
0: So I'm kind of getting the vibe that this is, these are all bad for you, so don't let me have them, is the game plan you're kind of aiming at here.
1: Yes, but also I have a really good, I have a really solid energy pay to flip. Overall, uh, between, um, I have Pyro, which is a low-cost 4, um, and I'm running, uh, I have Ronin, which is a medium-cost 4, and then all of my core characters, with the exception of Groot, which, in this case, you would take Pyro over Groot, just because he is the pay-to-flip person, uh, they all have 3s, and then it's also a way to drain your opponent, another way to drain your opponent's power
0: yeah I was going to say, because there's an argument possibly for all to flips, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can see you going down that road.
1: yes, and that is, that is a very solid way to take this. I personally go with the split seeds because it creates uh it creates zones of control which you can influence, and those zones of control, the objectives in those zones of control also back up your game plan. Because they give out stun and poison, which are two power-economy-messing-saddest uh, conditions.
0: Yeah, I guess it's giving your opponent the, the Faustian choice of... Do they, uh, do they let you score the points, or do they take the power-denying status effects for them scoring the points? Mm-hmm. Mm, yep. The idea being there... So, going back to the original question. To turn your game plan into winning you're really playing a crisis focused team with a way of trying to stop your opponent from using superpowers for control and big attacks for attrition.
1: Yeah. Um, cause we are playing Loki with the mind gem here. So we are, we're playing a five threat Loki that does have inherent control. Rogue has inherent control that a lot, uh, with her throw and her spender. Yep. Um, Groot has some control in his Spender as well, if you want to pull that off. Ronan, as we talked about, already has a lot of control on his attacks. Uh, Toad even gets a little bit of control on his attacks. Ma has control on his attacks. The only, like, mainstay character in here that doesn't have inherent control in their attacks is Deadpool. But he is such a good piece of redundancy.
0: Mm. Yep, I can see that. And if they do get a spike, then having Deadpool run over there and take away some of their power to make the next round a bit harder. Yeah. Yep. I can see. Okay.
1: And an important concept in synergy-based lists is having redundancy. It doesn't matter how bad the redundancy is. It's more about having redundancy than having the best version of it.
0: Right, because low-key can just be like, sometimes he just gets one shot with a builder, and then his uh, bubble of tax disappears for a round.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, well let's dig into some tactics cards then. You've mentioned a few already. but yes. um, and I have previously been started by asking about affiliated tactics cards, but how freeing is it to not have to take affiliated tactics cards in this kind of roster?
1: It's really interesting. It allows you to focus really heavily on your character's specific ones and choose some interesting, specific denial pieces. Um, okay. So let's start with the other restricted card.
0: Sure. But we've um, already used that one restricted on Space Gem, right?
1: Mm-hmm. The other one is Indomitable.
0: Okay, so a lot of people would go my number one card for Restrictive would be Brace for Impact, but clearly you're hoping that they don't have the power to do the throw. Is that yeah. feeding into that choice?
1: Uh uh-huh. But it's also Indomitable covers more options than uh, Brace for Impact. Because when they're overpaying for uh, every single uh, superpower they do, Denying individual ones becomes more powerful, so having an option that spreads, uh, having your option spread across more things to deny makes it more powerful.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, And do you tend to use that for counter control or counter throwing one character into another?
1: Uh, Generally counter control. uh, But occasionally you need to keep people alive.
0: Yeah. Okay. And is that an every game card then?
1: Not really. Sometimes you look across at your roster and realize they are all attrition and have maybe one throw in their entire roster and you go, okay, whatever. The tactic cards are about tailoring them. This is another very skill testing thing about this list. It's about tailoring the tactics cards as options of denial of what you think your opponent is going to play.
0: Yep, that makes sense. What about some of the character-specific cards? Then we've touched on a few of them already, right?
1: Yes. So the big one we've talked about is Pyrotechnics, uh, which is Pyro's card that he may spend X power, and then for each power spent, uh, an enemy character with an incinerate condition within three of him uh, drops an objective token, and then it's pushed short away.
0: And although it's range three, ideally you want to set that up so that they're five inches away, right? So they drop it, and within two, the token's one, and then it's within one, so Pyro could pick it up.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And just in case you're not familiar with this, the medium movement stick is almost exactly five inches long. So if you, if you are within a medium movement stick, you are within that five-inch drop-pick-up interact range.
1: Yep. Now for the weird one. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Mind If I Cut In.
0: <laughs> okay, this card does not get a lot of love. No. Do you want to maybe remind people what it does and even which character it's for?
1: So this is a rogue card uh, where this round... uh, Rogue may play this card at any time. Uh, It's active. uh, But it doesn't have to be during her turn to play it. Uh, This round, when an enemy character is choosing targets for non-area or non-beam attacks and rogue is within range and line of sight, the enemy character may spend one. If they do not they must attack rogue if possible
0: so this is tying into your tax uh motif again yep what do people tend to do when you play this on them
1: uh, they look at me very confused and go what is this card <laughs> um and then it becomes a really interesting game of how much how important is this target especially when you're using it to protect a ma that also has attacks
0: yeah or you're playing your single extracts they're probably wanting to hunt down that single extract character but rogue can run around be annoying and and sort of tax people's power to try and prevent that or at least l- make them move out of range and then attack or yeah you know, so it might limit the number of attacks they're able to make against that target they want to
1: mhm um or just drain their power yep which is perfectly fine by us because then Rogue can come in and kill them.
0: Yeah, a lot of good players will very carefully manage their power and they're planning ahead for next round. They know exactly how much power they're going to be on at the beginning of their activation next round and they're not budgeting to have to pay an extra one in order to do the thing that they thought they wanted to do and had spent down to a certain level in order to afford and all of a sudden you hit them with an extra tax of one and they're like, oh man, that ruins my entire plan.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting card that I don't think is great generally, but in this specific strategy is really annoying.
0: Any more yeah, card cards?
1: Yes, Uh, we talked about Shush a little bit. Shush mm-hmm. is in here. Um, Just getting to say no is very powerful. Counterspell is very powerful. And it is a more active form of it's a more reactive form of denial than uh mutant absorption or muck with a mouth, which are very preventative forms of denial.
0: How do you feel about the power cost on more with, with that? I mean, he, he can normally afford it, right? But he also has other great ways to spend his power. Do you find it a difficult yes. decision?
1: It is an interesting decision. It's generally in a way to protect the single extract. So you always getting value out of it and three power in a card to protect a two point extract to get two victory points is a hundred percent worth it but it is a really complicated balancing act
0: because mm. when you've got your six threat character who's having to pay to use the space gem you know you, there's, there's, he's got a lot of great ways of using that power
1: yes exactly finally for character cards we have we are Groot uh, we are bringing Groot. Healing is at a premium right now, and having AOE healing is very good.
0: Yep. Yeah. And again, if you're expecting to take the attacks, because that's how they're going to generate their power, so they're going to have to attack you, you're going to take some damage. So being able to mitigate that, yeah, I can see how strong that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, And then not really, not officially a character-specific card, but in this list, a character-specific card, Exceptional Healing.
0: Yeah. So that's for Deadpool, right?
1: Yep. Keeping him alive and being annoying is powerful. And just generally, Exceptional Healing is another way of power denial. Um, Because an enemy can roll an attack and spike, and you can go, no, your result is one power.
0: So that's actually a lot of character-specific cards, right? That's unusually high for most rosters that you'd see.
1: But if you're taking a glance at what character-specific plus affiliated cards, you're averaging in this five area that I have of character-specific cards in here.
0: Yeah, and then you uh, add in the restricted card, and you're only taking one, not two, and you start to see actually uh, an interesting way of looking at it is how many unaffiliated non-character specific cards are there in a roster and i think what it kind of yours is pretty typical there so but that, that's yeah. the point i'm trying to make by the choice you've made to go without the affiliation it's freed up space for more of these interesting sometimes niche character cards that you can then tailor your game plan with
1: mm-hmm. uh, so let me pull out a hot take okay uh the best non-restricted card in the game is mission objective
0: We've certainly seen it a lot in the rosters this, uh, over these Christmas episodes. So I think there's a lot of people out there who might you know, not actively disagree with you, at least.
1: Yes. Uh, but we have become a game where spikes matter more, and Mission Objective is a way to mitigate spikes on a VP end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. Uh, especially if you combo that with something like Fall Back, it can be a very powerful play.
1: It also denies voodoo in a really interesting way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just walk us through that in case people haven't come across? Uh,
1: So Mission Objective is a really weird card because it both is active and reactive. Uh, So it has an active half where during an active character's turn, they may spend two uh, while they are holding an asset or civilian.
0: Yeah, that's normally used for like completing the legacy virus puzzle, right? That's the main use I've seen of that.
1: And then reactive, when an allied character holding an asset or civilian token would drop it, they may spend two to play this card. And then place one asset or civilian token held by this character on another allied character within two. The other character is now holding this token. This tactic does not allow a character to hold more than the crisis specifies.
0: So again, this typically comes up when someone gets dazed or KO'd, but there's a specific interaction with Voodoo, right?
1: Uh Uh-huh, because, uh, well, so, Voodoo, now Pyrotechnics, uh, Too Hot to Handle from, uh, Human Torch. All of these effects cause you to drop the objective token as part of their resolution, and that is still a trigger window for this.
0: Mm, Because of that word drop, which is on the card of Mission Objective.
1: Yes. Um, also, funny, weird interaction, uh... If you are playing Ant-Man or Wasp, uh, when you reactive change on your opponent's turn, you can then mission objective uh, and uh, extract they were having to someone else.
0: That is cute. Um, That is cute for sure. But you're spending power on Wasp, and if you're worried about them dying anyway, then that gives them power when they get attacked. And so you can often wait and see the result of the attack and steal mission objective. But I guess if you're transforming, then you might be transforming and want to get out of range which might yes. take you away from mission-objective range. That's where that comes in.
1: Uh-huh. It Well, it's also you're transforming to be in stealth suddenly, so the attack, uh,
0: oh, right. so but, they
1: can't follow up attack.
0: But they also can't carry objectives in that form.
1: Yes, so they drop yes. it when they are transforming. It's cute. Uh, doesn't do anything for, it's not quite as good as uh, some of the mystique tech for Ant-Man and Wasp, but it is still interesting.
0: Yeah um okay i think you've sold me that's a very good card not sure you needed so much on that but i agree uh, what else have we got to round out the tactics cards in terms of unaffiliated
1: um escort to safety being able to de- uh deny an attack action is very powerful loki can do it independently but being able to do it on whoever is holding the extract uh that is very good
0: yep for sure So again, when they finally manage to save up for a big attack, and you're like, actually, I'm just going to go over here.
1: Uh, The other fun thing um, is you can set it up where uh, Toad goes up, action one picks up the center objective. Uh, As long as they don't blow him up, action uh, activation one on your opponent's side, which can be hit or miss. Mm -hmm. um, But I, my Toads have survived a fair bit. or anyone you put up to the Central Extract. This can work on anyone. Uh, you can walk Crimson Dynamo up one and then gain two power, and he is within range to, mission, uh, to escort to safety whoever got the Central Extract.
0: Yep. Yeah, checks out.
1: And that is very fun. <laughs> then we have Marked for Death. And while it has a lot of really good rules text on here, the thing we are looking at is making someone's speed slow. Just denying Black Panther the ability to go across the board can win you a game. And this is a list about denial. So being able to selectively deny long movement in a way they can't shake is very powerful.
0: Also, you're playing those single extracts, right? And so if mm-hmm. somebody comes and gets it and tries to run away, you can slow them and stop them from re-rolling. Quite a lot of these characters that want to do this have re-rolls built in. Mm-hmm. So it's more tech to try and help you get that scenario advantage which you're going to need.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we had this, the tactic card in here that was the Malaketh tactic card, uh, which was the Calibration Matrix because um, re-rolling him out of the skulls he spent for was very good and could save your character's lives, um, especially when you had a bad roll on your own end. Yep. And it only re-rolling the skulls he spent for and not the skulls he didn't spend for was very good.
0: <laughs>
1: this could change options. Uh, I'm not sure quite what it changes into. There's a lot of specific denial you can look into with things like psychic shielding device um and uh a oft forgotten and probably bad card that still may find its way into this list sucker
0: (laughs) yeah I mean good old Corsair that was the counter to Age of Ultron right they baked into the Corsair and hasn't seen much play since um Somewhat situational, though. If you're not looking to attack very much, they're not going to be on the injured side very much. So I, I, that, that feels very niche for the, your particular game plan.
1: It still is very niche, but I always love giving a shout-out to a, a a low dog on the totem pole.
0: Well, uh, that is your MO, so there we go.
1: <laughs> it, I have built a brand on it.
0: <laughs> uh, I think Fallback is maybe another one because of the combination with Missing Objective and just denying that extra attack from like those rapid fire characters which then denies them power um i could see that being in there so that that would synergize nicely but i don't hate recalibration recalibration matrix staying there it's kind of like the thing about exceptional healing it's a way of denying them the power gain they've got a massive yeah. spike which is going to get them a load of power and then they can start doing things and you go actually pick up your dice. let's go again maybe you're going to go from getting five power to getting two power and that's a massive swing
1: yes exactly uh the other option i have been side eyeing is uh, inspiring monologue
0: yeah okay so again focusing on the defensive tech potentially on your single extract holding character with again the idea of denying making them a defense better so to deny their power because there's a strong link there yeah. isn't it the better defense you've got the less power the opponent's going to generate Mm-hmm.
1: So there is a lot of like really interesting tech that you can do, especially as you personalize and specialize the list, because I think the power also of unaffiliated is that if you have a piece you're just really, really good with, yeah, you can always bring that piece.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see if you really love Shuri or if you really love um, Omega Sentinel, I can see them being in here. You know, the control that they both bring and the rerolls that they're handing out, which is then you're going to use defensively to try and make your characters tougher. So you're spending the power that you're generating. They're both great at generating power. If you love those characters and you're really good with them, I think they would fit nicely into this list.
1: Yeah, and both of those could easily be that Crimson Dynamo slot of, of yeah. the, like, denial of your opponent's ability to thrive off of this uh builders.
0: Or you could double down on it and include two of them.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, if there's a whole load of attrition in your meta and everyone comes and wants to beat you up, then you tailor this to more of the counter-attrition by mm-hmm. buffing up your defenses and loading up on those defensive cards.
1: Yeah, this one is both very... This is a list that is both very personalizable and very skill-testing in the way because you're trying to predict what you are going into and say no to what you think you are going into.
0: Hmm. Yep, I can see that. Is it someone might look at this and go, Okay, I can counter that by playing cubes or by playing Infinity Formula. How does it play into those kind of power generation crises?
1: Uh actually surprisingly well, um most characters are stated to be either uh one off of their big ability, so they have to gain something anyway, or to be very consistent. So, Cubes uh, pushes one class past efficiency. um, And then our team denies them back to being their normal efficient self. At minimum, Root and Loki Bubble can stack. Yep. So, there is that. And then, uh, for the characters that are coming in just off their efficiency... We are resetting them back to that status. So it is, it doesn't love those scenarios, but it doesn't hate them either, especially cubes, because even though we've talked about not really doing much attrition in this list, this is a list that can flip into attrition fairly well.
0: Mm. Yeah, if you get behind on the crisis and suddenly you need to just kill stuff and pick up the extracts they're holding on, take the secures off them. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of options here of things that can hit hard when they want to.
1: Uh-huh. Loki, guards with, Loki strikes with I am a god. Pyro is constantly giving out that incinerate condition. Uh, Rogue is just a murder machine by herself. And Voodoo Spender, when they do have power, is terrifying.
0: Yep. No doubt there. Um, so, yeah, if they've managed to get some power, then, ooh, yeah. Nice. Okay. What about into what you might think of as good matchups, the sort of the, the power-hungry ones, maybe Web Warriors or, or an X-Men maybe, that tend to have some issues generating the power and expensive superpowers that they want to use?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Web Warriors is a matchup this team preys upon. Um, just because they are they are very recursive. Once they get up to their threshold, they have a very good job keeping just at that threshold but they don't go much higher than that threshold so by raising the threshold even just a little bit they have a very hard time Mm. um x-men i'm not as sure about because uh mr omnis is in my meta so (laughs) i don't know if it's a matchup difference or i am just facing one of the best x-men players in the world difference
0: yeah, so, but does it feel like a fair fight when you go up against Ominous with this list?
1: Uh, depends on the crisis. Uh, them on, uh, specifically, Mutant Madman does not feel like a fair fight, but I think on the Energy pay to flips I can make it feel somewhat fair.
0: Mm. Okay, so maybe it's crisis-specific in that one, but, yeah, just those are two affiliations that spring to mind as ones who have characters who already... Their power economy is very tight is maybe the best way of putting it. And you have to make the right choices most of the time with those characters in terms of how they're spending their power.
1: So the one matchup I want to bring up that you did not mention is Steve Avengers.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh,
1: because Steve Avengers lists are very much designed around his ability to allow you to be extra efficient. Yep. And this utterly denies efficiency and it can feel like they stumble a lot more into this matchup than many others
0: a lot of the recent steve lists have been built around uh getting a turn one around one like extract advantage and leveraging that for the long game your power tax isn't gonna kick in when they're back in their deployment is it so I can see they they can still do some of what they want to do, but their mid to late game efficiency is seriously curtailed.
1: Yeah. And our ability between Voodoo and Pyro to flip a extract disadvantage is stronger than most.
0: Yep, that's fair. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Those are are the major ones that I have run into. Uh, The other interesting matchup, which no one will encounter competitively, but is somewhat popular locally, is
0: Inhumans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
1: That just leads to be a really weird and interesting matchup. Don't know who it favors, honestly, because of, like, when an Inhumans team wants to get off a specific power, they can make sure they get it off, but it allows for a lot more points of failure for you to target.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and they have to go a little bit harder because they can only transfer one power per, per turn. They have to spend a few more turns, setting an extra turn, setting up the thing they want to do.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. And as I said, this is one or two pieces away from hitting that tipping point.
0: Well, I guess that leads me nicely into asking: uh, If AMG were to give you a death and taxes Christmas present, maybe a, a new character or a, a rework of an existing character, what would you want to add to this roster
1: for Solstice? Because I am a Solstice uh, celebrator.
0: Uh huh.
1: Uh just having the ability to have a second Loki bubble. Um, on a different character, but have even if it's named the same thing, so they don't stack having a second one to play the split C's with would be really good
0: yeah no i can definitely see that um i think it might have to be on quite a high threat character but i think that might fit nicely in your build yeah
1: mm-hmm. the versatility of point value in this team is really impressive
0: yeah, can, um can because I know your comic knowledge is very is very wide. Can you think of a, a character that would fit that well?
1: Um yes. Uh there's a couple characters that come to mind. I could easily see them on uh one of your super heavy psychic characters like an Emma Frost or a Professor X doing uh-huh. that type of denial ability. Yep. Um those those would be the most immediate to spring to mind.
0: Mm. And if it was Prof X, it's probably, probably the whole board, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, they are going to wait a very, very long time before they print a Professor X because I think he's going to be one of the most difficult to make mechanically feel proper.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment.
1: This is really fascinating list that I love dearly and keeps getting stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, because none of these pieces uh just looking down the list i mean i guess voodoo is is very popular and dynamos kind of growing and pyro is still being explored to an extent but none of these characters in this list feel like you know the, the the you look at a list and go, oh they're running that and that and that you've got some kind of more niche characters here which don't see a lot of time and, and there's maybe an element of dark horse just people aren't prepared for what this is going to do to them
1: mm-hmm. there is uh Sometimes, when you run into big boy teams, you just run at, four, you get 14, and you run Loki, Ebony, Ma, Toad.
0: Yeah, people look at you and go, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> down as well, isn't it? That's 13.
1: Uh, six. Yeah, no, you're right. So, yeah, you could also play that with Pyro for the extract denial. Uh My math is off because it's getting close to my bedtime. So.
0: <laughs> OK, well, uh, have you got any other, because uh, this was built around a key idea of um, tax your power economy. Have you got any other things that you've maybe messed around with and explored in, a, in the same vein of having a key idea uh, that you can play in a leaderless way?
1: Yes. Uh, one of the big ones is um, a lot of teams work on repositioning the opponent, especially scenario centric teams. Um, I think we're getting to the point where we have a self-team reposition team, where everyone has an ability to interact and reposition your own characters in a way that can, like, cover a lot of ground and end up with, like, the character you activated first ends up on a completely different point than where you ended their activation type thing.
0: Hmm. Yep, Uh, I can see that being strong into the control, but maybe struggling a bit more into the attrition-style builds, you see?
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, These are ideas to toy with and test with. Yeah, for Um, sure. Not necessarily leaderless, but a conceptual idea uh, that recently I've been toying with after Omnis brought it up to me is a team that can play uh, C-secures. And every single character can make a single walk, make an attack, and then, by some effect, move to the midline to uh, contest the C-Secures.
0: So, you're looking at a strong round one where you are both attacking and contesting.
1: Yes. Uh, That one has some potential to be affiliated, but also has some unaffiliated options. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. I still think there is a, even though Hydra has come out, I think there is still a overwhelming Splendors of Condition unaffiliated list uh, or leaderless list, because that was playing leaderless A-Force last time I played them.
0: Ah, yes. That's another way of approaching it, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you you yes. play for the tactics cards, but you leave out the leadership.
1: Mm-hmm. Um so that's another interesting one. Those are kind of the big ideas in my head right now, but that very well may change and I would be very interested to see what people do when they take a like centralized mechanical conception of the game and build just what are the best pieces for this centralized mechanical conception of the game.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, If people wanted to uh, hit you up and uh, pick your brains about these leaderless options, how would they go about either hearing more from you or getting in touch with you?
1: So I run the Morlocks podcast, which at time of this episode's release should just be passing a hundred official mainline episodes. Uh, There were a couple side episodes in there that don't count towards the total. Uh, But yeah, so that should be very recently at time of release. As well as uh, I am on many of the many MCP discords. Um, I remember the day that uh, days where whenever someone mentioned Agent Widow, I would get an at ping.
0: (laughs) Yeah, most of them were from me. Sorry about that. Uh,
1: It's fine. Uh, You at least uh, are doing them generally when I'm awake because you're a UK person. Uh, (laughs) The times I'm getting them at like 3 p.m on a tuesday when i'm asleep from uh someone else in one of the discords it's like okay i will check this when i wake up yeah <laughs> i am as lexa white on all the mcp discords and ggipt on the non-mcp discords if you want to talk to me about arkham Hall, the card game my other passion
0: mm, yeah do you want to tell us about some of the other content you put out
1: Yes. Uh, so I have a Patreon and behind the Patreon wall, uh, I do TV movies and video game conversations with various different guests, um, as well as just general TV movie music talk, because I'm very passionate about all types of media. Um, and I see that Patreon is a way to express those passions uh, to people who are interested um, and then uh, Saturday or Sunday mornings, it varies on the week, I stream with uh, my friend Kodab at twitch.tv slash Kodab Games, where we're doing custom Arkham for the card game stuff. Uh, I have various other things that come and go. If you want the most recent information, just check the Stinger on the most recent episode of Morlocks.
0: Awesome. Well, Alexa, thanks so much for joining me and uh, walking me through this this roster. And wrapping up our uh, 34 days of Christmas. Man, this has been a slog. If you've managed to listen to all of them, hats off to you guys. It's been a lot of fun to record. Um, Mm -hmm. And so finally, for one last time, wishing you a very happy holidays and a very merry solstice, Alexa.
1: Yes. Uh, Happy solstice, everyone. And have a good night.
0: Simulation complete.